I'm Emily P. Freeman, and welcome to The Next Right Thing. You're listening to Episode 35. If this is your first time joining me, I'm especially glad you're here. I often say this is a podcast for the second guessers, the chronically hesitant, or anyone who suffers from decision fatigue. But even if you aren't one to second guess yourself or never have trouble making a single decision, it could be that you may just need a little white space in your day, a speed bump in your week, a few minutes break from the constant stream of information and entertainment. Today's episode is a little different than the previous 34 episodes. I'm trying something new this week, and because of that, you may have already noticed that today's episode is a little longer than our usual ones, but it's worth it because while I love sharing my own perspective each week, I'm also always on the lookout for someone who would make a great guest for this show. That's right, I said guest. Well, this week I found her. I know I don't host guests on the show ever, at least I haven't yet, but I'm fascinated by the decision-making process that other people go through. And so while I don't intend on changing the format of this podcast, I'm so grateful today for the opportunity I got to sit down with actress, producer, and author Candace Cameron Bray and ask her about some pivotal decisions in her life and career. We'll hear the answers together, and I'm so excited about it. We'll also dive deep into a character trait that is not only helpful, but vital for us to develop as we make our decisions, both the small decisions of everyday life and the big ones that could change our life. Listen in. I tell people all the time to pay attention to what makes them cry, not because it unlocks some kind of deep secret meaning of life, but because it simply helps connect us to the deep secret parts of ourselves. When something moves you enough to bring tears, lean in and listen up. Maybe our tears are tiny messengers, secret keepers of the most vulnerable kind, sent to deliver a most important message. Here is where your heart beats strong. Here is a hint to your design. Here is a gift from your inner life, sent to remind you those things that make you come alive. I have a long list of moments where tears have served as arrows for me, pointing to something I needed to embrace, a truth I longed to remember, or a part of myself I had somehow forgotten. Sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes it's a scene in a movie or a quote from a book. Sometimes it's a song. Two songs in particular come to mind that brought tears the first time I heard them. The first was when I was at a retreat and the worship leader Brian Morricon introduced his band and said he loves playing with them because he can lean back into them. He doesn't have to carry the burden of leading alone. I was feeling particularly lonely at that retreat and considered the gift it is to be able to trust people enough to lean back into them. Shortly after that, he played a song with these lyrics, Be kind to one another. Jesus will show you how. Keep those words of life in your heart so they spill right out of your mouth. Years later, singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson came to our church and sang songs from his album The Burning Edge of Dawn. He sat at the piano and told a story about his 12-year-old daughter, how she was in a particularly emotional season of life and tended to be super hard on herself. He started to sing the song he wrote for her. It's called Be Kind to Yourself. As he played, I felt like that 12-year-old girl wanting so desperately to believe that I could be kind to myself, but not exactly sure what that would look like. So what does kindness have to do with making decisions? I don't know about you, but when I'm standing on this side of an unmade decision, 
I can become pretty hard on myself. I scold myself for being indecisive. I lose patience with myself for being unsure. If it seems the decision should be simple, I question why I'm making it so hard. If the decision is obviously a difficult one, I play out harsh scenarios in my mind of what might happen if I make the wrong one. When we aren't yet sure what our next right thing is, a place that's always safe to start, be kind with yourself and with others. Today, I'm happy to try something a little different than we've done before on this podcast. I have a guest joining me who has written a whole book about kindness. The book is called Kind is the New Classy, and the author's name is Candace Cameron Bray. For years, we watched her play DJ Tanner on Full House, the second show in the TGIF lineup. Please tell me you remember that. I think it was Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, Full House, and Step by Step. Yes, I watched them all. Now, my kids watch her in the same role on Fuller House on Netflix. But in the time between the teenage DJ Tanner I remember and the grown-up one they watch today, a lot has happened. In fact, there were a lot of pivotal moments in Candace's career that could have led to a lot of second-guessing. When it comes to kindness, she writes this, Kindness isn't looking to climb the social ladder, win a debate, or gain something from the relationship. Rather, kindness seeks to give without thought or condition of return, a one-size-fits-all policy toward all people in the recognition that all people are made in the image of God. Personally, being kind takes courage I haven't fully understood until the last few years. For a long time, I used the words nice and kind interchangeably. But over time, I'm beginning to see the difference. And that's where I want to start with Candace. There's courtesy, which is very nice. It's also very kind. But being kind is more, more meaningful than just being nice. Being kind really looks at a person for who they are. It helps them inherently feel valuable. And being kind in ways, I, I say it's by putting other people before your, yourself. Kindness Kindness, it has a, a ripple effect because it makes us feel loved and is joyful. And it's something that makes us want to extend it and give it to other people. I think one of my favorite things that you said about this is um, you said kindness is seeing people. And that is mm-hmm. such a nice and simple definition. I, think <laughs> I should have so just true. said it that way. <laughs> but that's it's in my book. <laughs> No, that's good. Well, I mean, I think, and I think you, you bring this out and it, it makes sense to me that maybe in some ways, niceness can sometimes be a little bit more about fear and kindness is a little bit more about love. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was trying to say. You just said it so much better. (laughs) I knew you were, and I'm just, I'm just going to give that to you and we'll just quote you on that. (laughs) Okay. You write how in your line of work in Hollywood and, and probably just in the world in general, we're always kind of looking for the next best thing. But for you as an actor, you really need to discern what the next best thing is for yourself. And you say when you're on a roll, you don't leave this industry. But that is exactly what you did. So I would love to hear you kind of take us back to that time when you say you were working since you were five years old. Yeah, you were a baby. And then sort of if you could just walk us through the trajectory of 
five years old to 21 and then kind of what happened next? Sure. So I, I really was working my, my whole life, starting doing commercials at five. And then of course was on full house between the ages of 10 and 18 and then continued on with ever famous TV movies in my young adult, uh, age. And, and then I'd met my husband when I was 18 and married at 20 and had my first baby at 22. And that was when I had a really big decision to make. And I had always thought that I was going to continue working. I would always be a working mom. And yet after having my first child and having the kind of career that I did, as well as the kind of career my husband had, which he was a professional hockey player for 12 years in the NHL, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to be the kind of parent I wanted to be if, if, uh, and, and we wouldn't be as a couple if we were both working and traveling because that's what both of our jobs involved. And so I had to, we had to make a decision who was going to stay home. And it was one of those decisions that I knew I wanted to. I wanted to be that person and also recognize that the life of a professional athlete has a very small window of when they can do that. And so it was a really obvious choice. And yet my career had been been really flourishing because I had was on one of the biggest television shows in the 90s and had gone into the TV movies. And it's a very, um, can be a very tricky time to tran- transition from a child actor into an adult actor. And that's exactly what I had been doing and was now in my early 20s, and it had been going smoothly. And then to decide, like, hey, I'm now married and have children, um, or my first baby, probably going to have more, and I want to be with them, but I'm going to have to drop my entire career, and I don't know if it's ever going to be there for me again. Candace would say it's a gift to be able to make this decision at all, continue working or stay home with children. But no matter which way you look at it, these choices come with their own version of joy, of grief, and of fear. It was really scary, I'll I'll admit, because I've always wanted to work. And so it was a really difficult transition for the first few years to surrender to motherhood. And not just for fear of losing out on ever working again, but also having a day-to-day life of working every single day to then being at home full time, changing diapers, making meals, like that's all my life involved. It was like, I felt like I lost my identity and didn't know who I was anymore. It took about two to three years before she was able to fully embrace her new role as a mom. She says it was during this time that she finally slowed down enough to explore what her faith was all about. I had called myself a Christian for many years, but I wasn't actually walking with God. It was just a category, like a list of who I am. Oh, I'm a mom. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm a whatever. But it didn't really, it didn't change who I was in any way. But because I wasn't working anymore, I started thinking about uh, religion in the sense that like, oh, how am I going to raise my kids? And what do I want them to believe and know? And that's when I'm like, huh, I should probably read my Bible and see what that even says. (laughs) And it started that's what really started my walk with God. And it 
changed me from the inside out, made me who I am today. But I know that had I not stayed home for those 10 years, that's was foundational for developing a relationship with Jesus. Altogether, Candace stayed home with her kids for a full 10 years. As they got a bit older, she began to say yes to some speaking engagements. It wasn't acting, but it checked the boxes on some of the categories of the kinds of things she most loved to do. Yeah, so I started speaking at women's conferences when I really grew in my faith, and I just wanted to share Jesus and my testimony with everyone. And my brother really had encouraged me to start doing that because I was just like, I'll share with my neighbors. I'll share with the ladies in Bible study and <laughs> yeah. whoever will listen to me. And, and my brother, Kirk, uh, was like, hey, Candace, you know, they have these conferences and maybe, <laughs> maybe you could go <laughs> share at a conference. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know those existed. And that's what had started me on the conference circuit. She says she loved speaking because it gave her a place to share Jesus. It provided the interaction with people that she so craved. And it also gave her the opportunity to be on stage again. So I really did enjoy it, but there came a time when I was just burnt out from the speaking circuit. And I, I actually felt guilty thinking, well, God, you gave me this platform and I love sharing. I love sharing you with everyone. And But what if I stop doing this? Uh, are you going to be upset with me? I mean, a billion questions came into my mind and also the security of knowing, oh, I'm going to have that interaction with people. I'm going to be on a stage and I'm doing it for kingdom goodness. Like, um, I don't really want to leave that in case I try to go back to work into the entertainment industry and it doesn't work out for me, then maybe the speaking events won't be there anymore either. A billion questions waffling back and forth. The what ifs lingered. She has already quit acting once. Now, even though she was burnt out on the speaking, what if she let it go and was left with nothing on the other side? She was at a crossroads. Here's what happened next. And so we, you know, we get scared to take that leap of faith. And then that's when I don't even know who gave me your book, but I read a book called A Million Little Ways and it, it changed my life course. And you made so much sense to me. And while I was reading this, it was, and I read a lot of books, but yours was everything to me at that moment in time that I just felt God saying, here, I dropped this into your lap because I'm going to help you wrestle with these decisions and actually make one. Oh, that's so kind. So I was so grateful for your book because you showed me the difference between, you know, primary purpose and secondary purposes. And I then had made the decision. I said, huh, okay, I'm going to just let God take care of all my fear and worry. And this is what I really want to do. What I really want to do is go back to acting. And the timing had been right because my husband had retired from professional hockey. And my husband could be home if I needed to travel for work. And so we had talked about all of that. And so I thought, this is what I really want to do, but I'm not putting 100% into it because I have to book these speaking engagements a year out, right. and then I might not be, be available. I don't want to cancel and all those kinds of things. So I decided, hey, I'm just going to put all the speaking stuff. I'm going to not accept an invitation no matter how great and grand it is <laughs> and no matter how much they beg or offer. I'm just going to say no so that I can actually have the opportunity 
to test the waters if my first love and desire and passion will work out. And I, I, and it did. It did. It did. It did. And it was so like right away. I was like, God, thank you. Oh, I love thank that. you. I don't know why I didn't trust you. That is such an ultimate kindness. Talk about kind as the new classy. I mean, you demonstrated such a beautiful kindness to yourself by by giving yourself permission to listen to the heartbeat of your own life and to trust mm-hmm. that your image bearing identity was uh was worthy to be trusted and that you could have faith in the God who made you the way he made you. Because I I know you've talked to women like this, because I have too. Women who are afraid, and, and men too, but mostly I talk with women about this, to tap in to what makes them come most fully alive because they're afraid that it's selfish, that they're self-motivated, that mm-hmm. they just want the attention, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure for you that's tenfold since you're literally on stage and in spotlights and on cameras mm-hmm. and all that, that I, I imagine that would even be magnified but what a lovely kindness to give yourself that time which felt like a risk I'm sure at the time to say no I mean I'm curious did you have people asking you to speak I'm sure like that that were these opportunities that just felt like this is too good to pass up I can't or was it immediately like no I absolutely know this is not right well I it's both I had some really incredible offers that you know, I could have booked years of my life on (laughs) conference tours. And, and yet that, you know, it wasn't the goal to be working every day of my life or be away from my family, but they were wonderful opportunities. And I think the challenge for me was always distinguishing, making a choice out of a specific need or want and what I thought God was giving me like, God, do you want me to do this? Because this is kingdom work. It's directly kingdom work. I'm talking about you. That has always been the biggest struggle for me. And yet when I made the decision to stop and not take any of the offers, I felt like, like weight. I did not know I was carrying around fell off of me. So when the offers did come in that were really great, I was like, no, wow, I don't, I am so happy to say no. It was like such a relief for me. That is remarkable. Isn't it amazing that our bodies know things before our, sometimes before our minds and hearts do? Uh (laughs) That like your body was carrying this weight of a thing and you didn't even know it until you made the decision. I love that. And I love how it points out. I think sometimes we wait for that feeling or that assurance before a decision is made. And in fact, it actually often comes, as you just said, after the decision Mm -hmm. is made. Yep. Sometimes our bodies know things before our minds and hearts do. And though Candace wasn't sure if it was best to take herself out of the speaking circuit and step back into acting, once the decision was made, her body gave her the signal she had been waiting for. It was the absence of burden and the presence of peace. In her book, Candace shares a few practical steps to take when confronted with unkindness that I think can also apply beautifully to decision-making as well. First, take a breath. Second, take a beat. There's no need to rush. Give yourself permission to slow. Third, always consider other people and think about how what you do next will affect them. Fourth, turn to God no matter how small the request. 
There are no little prayers. There are no, there's no little anything to God that's, that's too small for him. I encourage everyone to pray over everything, even if you think it's so silly, because God's listening and waiting and wants to engage. And then the last step is to ask for what you want. I think as well, it can, it can be for both men and women. Sometimes as a, a woman that wants to be kind and sensitive and compassionate, we think that we can come off as arrogant or rude or mean or if we ask for what we want, that we're too direct and people are going to think that we're, um, you know, a word that I won't use right now. <laughs> that starts with a B. But, um, <laughs> so learn to have confidence that when you're coming from a place of having thought it through, you've thought of it from the other side of compassion, you've gone to God in prayer, that it's okay to be confident and ask for what you want. I love her story of finding her way back to acting because it's another example of how a lot of the time we are forced to decide between two good things. And it comes down to simply a question of which one do you want to do? One thing is not better or worse than the other. What a kindness, first of all, that you have shown to us by joining us for the Next Right Thing podcast. And I also thank you for your kindness in sharing a million little ways over the last couple of years. That's really been, you didn't have to do that, but I just love that you're a champion for other voices. And I'm just personally yes. very grateful for that. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. It was so nice. I'm always grateful to hear about other people's decision-making process. What about you? What does it look like to extend kindness to others and yourself when you're in the midst of making decisions? In a world where the rhetoric of leaders often sounds more like the taunts of a playground bully, it's easy to lose hope for kindness. We admit it feels a bit like bringing flowers to a gunfight. Teach us, Father, how to respond in love and not fear. Teach us what it means to speak with conviction without using words as weapons. Teach us to carry both strength and gentleness, to offer kindness even in our anger, to listen before lashing out. Remind us that kindness is not a nice thought, but a natural outcome for every image bearer who lives life in the spirit. As we offer kindness to others, may we never forget to extend it to ourselves as well as we make our decisions, walk through the fog, and figure out our next right step. When we stand at what feels like a crossroads, in every moment of decision, every temptation towards shame or overwhelm, help us to remember you have given us a spirit of love, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Show us what it means to offer these gifts to our neighbors, teachers, families, and leaders with confidence, conviction, and a sound mind. May your kindness be our steady filter and our sure companion. Thanks for listening to Episode 35 of The Next Right Thing.
Candace's new book, Kind is the New Classy, released just last week and is available wherever books are sold. I especially love the story that she tells at the very beginning of a time when Whoopi Goldberg extended such a kindness to her that reading it made me cry. And my favorite chapter in the book is chapter four, where she talks about inspiration and aspiration and how kindness can play a part. Again, you can grab a copy of Kind is the New Classy wherever books are sold. If you would like to connect with me beyond the podcast, there are several ways to do that. I post almost daily to Instagram where you can find me at Emily P. Freeman. To connect weekly, stay right here and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. We provide a transcript for every episode, so if you know someone who either can't hear or prefers reading to listening, you can just download those transcripts at thenextrightthingpodcast.com. Just click on episode 35 for this one. As you consider your own next right thing today, remember it's not always about making a right or wrong decision. Sometimes it's simply about this. Are you moving forward in love and not fear? Are you choosing gratitude? Are you remembering to be kind? A final reminder from Candace's new book, she writes, kindness is a choice. Sometimes it's an easy one to make and we reap immediate benefits. Other times it's one of the hardest choices you'll ever make and extending grace to someone who has hurt you will go against everything your heart is telling you. My advice, choose it anyway. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.